Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 95. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and sitting with me here today is Kona the Podcast Dog, and today is our second episode in the Stay Home series of episodes, and I'm sure I don't need to explain why they're called the Stay Home episodes, but if for some reason you're listening to this in 2030, this is being recorded during the coronavirus pandemic uh, where we are all uh, stuck in our homes. <laughs> If you haven't had a chance to check out the first in the Stay Home series, I explain that this podcast for me has always been very important to do in person and get that in-person interaction with whomever I'm interviewing. But obviously, in-person interviews are impossible and would be very irresponsible at the moment. So what I'm doing at the moment, at least to start, is uh, we're reinviting guests back onto the podcast, uh, people that I have interacted with in person already, and this time doing a virtual interview. So that's what we're going to do for the time being anyways. So that being said, today's guest is Canadian country music star Brett Kissel, and I was... So happy to have Brett back on the podcast because uh, I've actually been wanting to do a follow-up with him for a little while. We had Brett on in the first season, and there's always a feeling you have after doing one of these interviews of, of kind of how it went or if, if how it met your expectations. And after my first interview with Brett, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and he's such an interactive and awesome person. But I had this feeling of, oh, I just wish I had more time. Because Brett, he's a fantastic storyteller, and I felt like we were almost just like getting warmed up. So the good thing about this, doing this virtually, is uh, we didn't quite have the same time restrictions. The first time, it was before a show, and I think Brett had a meet and greet to go to right after our interview. And this time, we were just chilling at our homes. And the amazing thing about Brett is, like I said, he's so interactive with people. It doesn't even matter if you are a huge country music fan or know that much about country music. I'm, I like country music, but I don't know the most about it. And even still, we always just have such a great conversation. Brett was even lining up stories to be told the next time we do this. And Brett has released a new album as of January 1st of this year, and it's called Now or Never, and it is so much fun. There is a little bit of something in there for everybody. And I know the first time we had Brett on, we did the Adamantium Recommend segment, but we're going to do it again anyways because there's some new songs to update that list. So if you're new to Brett Kissel's music, here's five songs recommended by the Adamantium podcast for you to check out before or after the interview. So my first two recos come from his new album, Now or Never, and they're the first two singles. The first one's called Drink About Me, and the second one is called She Drives Me Crazy. Then from his 2017 album, We Were That Song, I recommend the song Anthem. Then from 2015, I recommend the song Pick Me Up from the album of that same name. And then from his 2013 album, Started With a Song, I recommend the song 321. Okay, so give those a listen if you're new to Brett Kissel's music. Thank you very much for tuning into the Adamantium podcast today. I very much appreciate it. If this is your first time tuning in, we hope to have you back again sometime. It is awesome having you here. I'm sure there are, in the 94 other episodes, there is at least another one or two artists you'd love to hear from. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow The Adamantium on social media. We're on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. And without keeping you too long, we'll get into today's episode featuring Brett Kissel, episode number 95, right here on The Adamantium Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. 
Stay home, stay safe, and we will see you very soon. Companies like Zoom and Skype and stuff like that, I bet you they're... Uh... Bet you their stock has gone oh, up in a big way. Sure. If you own stocks in Lysol right now, you're, you're. Oh yeah, there's a there's a meme of uh, the guy who owns Purell. I mean, or just someone who could be, and it's just yeah. like this this African American guy with like every gold chain just down <laughs> to here, and like gold teeth and gold grill and like twenty five oh, gold rings. I know, I know. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. So thank you for one. Thank you for no, uh, taking no some time out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, my pleasure. And we don't need to talk about, you know, quarantine life the whole time, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about something that uh, we both enjoy and love as well. So, but tell me, uh, you know, on a year that you, you know, released a new album just a couple months ago, um, tell me how this has affected your life so far. Uh, it's affected it in a, in a giant way, obviously, but I've, I think I'm I'm one of the lucky ones that had an opportunity to go out and do some epic promo and be able to cross off a bunch of things off of my bucket list as far as the success I was hoping to achieve with the record. And um, you know what? Everybody, I think, is, is finding it very challenging about whether or not they're going to release a record now mm-hmm. or how they're going to go out and promote it or perform or get it out. My record's been out. And I think everybody gets an opportunity now to enjoy it and enjoy these songs and cling to these songs. So I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. And in every single situation, I'm trying to spin it in a positive way. Right. Yeah. Uh, given our, our, our global situation and say that, you know what, my record came out, I'm pretty lucky and it's, it's done very well even now. So mm-hmm. I've got nothing to complain about. And did you have, like, did you already have a tour in the mix? Like, had it already been planned? Yeah, we we hadn't announced it yet. We were going to announce it um, right after the Juno Awards. So the Junos I was hosting on Saturday, March 15th. So on Monday the 17th, I was going to announce tour, um, my very first arena run across Canada um, as a headliner. And so obviously really jacked up about that. But Mm -hmm. the Junos got canceled. All the shows got canceled. Around March 17th is kind of when Canada especially really started to shut down. Yeah. you know, so with with that being said, uh, I'm glad we we didn't announce it. I'm glad we didn't go out because I wouldn't have wanted to kind of deal with the the hassle or or the obligation of. Uh, I didn't want my fans to feel obligated to buy tickets if if it's very important for them to be saving money right now right, and right. and staying home and doing what they need to do. So we have plans uh, in place for the later part of 2020 or into 2021, mm. and. We've got time, so all I'm going to do is prepare. Just prepare right. and think and, it's, and plan. I think it's been kind of tricky because, like, we don't we don't know anything yet. You know, it's it's almost hard to plan because we don't know when when one we can go outside, <laughs> yeah. and two when we can all meet in a group of more than two people. You know, or however many people. So um, it's and it's funny how or not funny, but it's it's crazy how things change not just even week to week, but day to day. I had you were saying to that March seventeenth date. March eighteenth, I had tickets for Pearl Jam, which they, exactly. which they were the first, at least in Toronto, they were the first to start canceling gigs, and they were like opening their tour here, 
And I think they canceled just a little over a week before that. And all of us were going like, Oh, that's, you know, that stinks. Come on. And by the time it hit March 18th, it was like, yeah, of course not. Of course we can't, you couldn't do that. Yeah. And, uh, I had met with a couple bands, uh, just a week before that, like around March 10th. And I had asked them how it was affecting them so far. And the answer at that point was, Oh, not too much. We're just like washing our hands more and stuff. And like within a week, like everything's shut down. Yeah. I was on the road with Brad Paisley as a surprise guest for him. Yeah. And uh, so he called me out in the middle of the show and we heard that things were a little bit awkward in, uh, when we were in Penticton and then we still played Abbotsford and then we went up, we played Grand Prairie and then everything in the two days between the Grand Prairie and the Moose Jaw Saskatchewan mm-hmm. show, um, like the NHL had postponed their season, um, NBA canceled a lot of things that happened. And so what we did is according to the buyers, the promoters, the fans, radio station said, look, let's continue. Let's do Moose Jaw. So we did. And I've never played a concert like that in my life where there was the energy was so specifically somber mm-hmm. at what 11,000 people or so in the, in the, in the arena. And everybody had heard nothing but bad news over the last like three days on the radio and on TV. And so everyone's kind of awkward in 11,000 people are awkward. They're sitting beside each other, strangers that if this was a year ago, would have been drinking beers and high-fiving and arms around and singing, drinking songs together and swaying back and forth. And it was a very quiet crowd. Yeah. And Brad Paisley did the right thing. He came up on stage, no music right before the show. And he said, I know this is awkward time, uh, an awkward time. I know these are crazy times right now. We don't know if this is going to be our last show for the year, if this is just going to be our last show for a couple of weeks. We don't know if this is the last show in the city of Moose Jaw for a long time. Mm-hmm. But what country music does and has been able to do over the course of our existence is heal people, bring people together. And tonight is a night of distraction. Tonight is a night of celebration. Tonight is a night to forget your problems, escape, have the best time ever because we don't know if we're going to be able to do one of these things again. They ended up going out and playing for like three hours. It was an epic performance and a great showman to go out and do what he did. Wow. That is, that's a great story. So did you, were you opening that gig or were you, um, were you, no, I was just a friend. Right. So I rode the bus with him and, uh, it was a surprise every night. I mean, it, it, people ended up getting word of it after I've done it five nights in a row kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But he'd bring me out in the middle of the show and be like, I love Canada. I love Canadian country music. I love this kid, Brett Kessel, and I'd come out and do a couple songs. That's, wow. That's, I mean, that's probably, I mean, for someone, for someone like you who's loved country music your whole life, that's probably an incredible experience too on its own. Oh yeah. It's like being a hockey player and getting a chance to hang out with Bobby Orr. Right. Bobby Orr, it's like, yeah, I love this guy. He's, he's great. He's, uh, I'm going to pass the torch to this kid. Like I pretty lucky. Yeah. I mean, along the same lines, I saw that pinned to the top of your Twitter since August was a performance you did with Garth Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that day and, and what that was like. Uh, well, among the best days of my life, it goes my wedding day to my wife, Cecilia. It goes tied for first place. It's also the birth of my three kids. And then right here at like number two <laughs> is Garth Brooks. Um, you know, and I've opened for him like 
I think about, you know, 20, 20 or sometimes. And um, the show that we did in Regina was extraordinary. The story goes that um, we opened for him. It was supposed to open for him. Uh, after our sound check, rain started coming down in uh, at Mosaic Stadium and they had to push my performance, push my performance, push my performance. And it's Garth himself telling me this. Yeah, It's not like a tour manager or something like that. Like he keeps coming into my dressing room, looking at like his watch and his phone, like with a weather app saying, you know what? We could probably get you on at about eight. So still plan for eight. And then he comes in about seven fifties. Like, yeah, I got to push it at eight 30. <clears throat> then it was like eight 45. And he's like, brain's not letting up. It'll let up by nine 30. I got to go out there. I'm going to do my two hour yeah. show. And I'm sorry, I just can't have you on. And of course, I was devastated, but yeah. I'm showing him like, dude, that's fine. Like, this is your Garth Brooks. It's your show. And he ended up saying, but if it's any consolation, if you want, um, why don't you come up and sing Friends in Low Places with me as the last song of the night? And I'm like, you mean the greatest, most famous country song of all time? Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, do you know the words? I'm like, do I know the words? So <laughs> I came up and we did like a 12-minute extravaganza of Friends in Low Places with fireworks and confetti and all this epic shit. And it was <clears throat> it was extraordinary. And that's it was one of the best moments of my life. And it probably worked. That was probably, had you been given the two options, you probably would have taken that one anyways. All day, all day. Like that's 100% it. every day, for sure. That's excellent. Um, now that uh, Now or Never has been out, you know, a couple months, reflecting on that album now, now that, you know, you're not every day living the it's got to come out, it's got to come out, now that you've had a chance to breathe with it a little bit, what are your, what are your feelings on the album? Uh, it's something I'm extremely proud of. It's, uh, I think, the most unique record I've ever made, and it's the one that I like the best by far. I'm very proud of my previous, you know, bodies of work, but this one... Uh, had so many extra things it it's very difficult to describe all of the extra details that we put into this record to make it very unique and, and special um from the song selection to how i wrote the songs to working i feel like 20 times harder on this record than i did everything else and i felt like i put my heart and soul into everything else i've ever done mm. but one of the extra things was that when we were that song the previous record yep one uh, the Juno Award for the Country Album of the Year. I immediately realized that this album that I had in in the bag, get you know ready to go for the end of 2019, wasn't good enough. Hmm. I just wanted Juno, and everybody's probably going to expect that the record be here, and I knew that the record wasn't. I knew, so I went in and I rewrote songs hmm. that were already complete and paid for i also went in and scrapped songs that were complete and paid for and i'm like it's not going to cut it so i went and i basically started from scratch okay. and then to have the album come out it debuted at number one on on the itunes america country chart yeah debuted it. at number one all genre in canada rolling stone had it at number four and this is america yeah here this is a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a farm kid from alberta yeah and this happened. I couldn't believe it. So I felt I, I made the right call in that regard. Well, and, and that, I think that is that what kind of led to even the title of Now or Never? Like what made this collection of songs Now or Never? Well, every song on there had to tell a story. And I didn't really have the balls to put, it, put together a record like this in any previous embodiments of my career. Um, to talk third person, uh, a, a 
25-year-old Brett Kissel didn't have the confidence to record She Drives Me Crazy. Right. Or a 25-year-old version of myself um, wanted to do the song I'm Not Him, I'm Not Her. But I've been, I, I wrote that song like 10 years ago by myself. And I'm, I'm not throwing anybody in my team under the bus. I'm just going to say that they didn't believe in that song. But I finally had the confidence to say, I love this track. Mm-hmm. And it is the number other than drink about me, the single there's different measurable statistics for every, every song on the record. What has the most streams? What has the most views on YouTube? What has the most, this is so I'm not him. I'm not her actually has the most physical downloads of people spending a dollar 29 on the iTunes store to download and keep that song as opposed to just saving it to the playlist. Right. So that's very cool. Um, you know what? And then there's a song called hummingbird, which is so straight ahead country and bluegrass. And singer-songwritery Casey Musgraves type of deal that I, I didn't have the confidence to do that to do a song like that before, and now I didn't I didn't care. I, it was now or never. I'm either going to do it, put my money where my mouth is, or or have that great song sit in a catalog and never see the light of day. So gotcha. now or never was that kind of headspace. Well, I saw too. You just released uh, "She Drives Me Crazy" as the next single. Was that yeah. because of the success? Did you pick that because of the success that it had already been having? Um, or had you already planned that that was going to be the next single? We felt that that song was special and it could okay. be a great single. Um, but we, we all like, we're very lucky in 2020 to have data from Apple music and Spotify right. that everybody can access to just see what's the most popular, what's got a yeah. five-star rating, what this is before you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get some research company to give you some data. Whereas now we can see it. And that song had a million streams and it wasn't even a single and right. a million streams in like the first two weeks so that that was enough data and enough indication that people really liked that yep. song so we released it to the radio and uh right now it's cracked top 30 which we're really proud of um radio is in a completely different scenario than they were you know obviously a month ago mm-hmm. but um and then we've got a lot of really great plans which drives me crazy as far as remixes are concerned as far as um, special guest appearances that are going to be coming down the pipe. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know when this is going to be released. Is this going to be released pretty soon or uh, in a couple months? And, well, no, mm-hmm. I, in, in the next, in a couple of weeks. Okay. Then I, I can't tell you who you gotta, I got. You got to keep is. it hush, eh? I, I got to keep it hush. Sorry. Okay. This is like, because probably by the summer, by the summer, it's uh, our, right. our remix is going to come out. And I, People overuse the word epic, but I don't have a good vocabulary. I'll just say, I think it's going to be epic. Right, right. You can tell me once we stop recording. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I promise you I will. All right. So, um, and well, talking about in, in your first single, you mentioned it briefly, Drink About Me, which uh, came out at a time before everything had changed. And it was hitting uh, charts in the States and in Canada. Um, tell me what it was about that song you think that just... Kind of, I think that song kind of put you already from here up, up a level. Thank you. I, I, would, I would say that that song was, was able to take me to a whole new level simply because uh, the lyrics were very strong. I thought the message in the song was really unique. It's very, very cool to get an opportunity to record a song and bring something to the world that is so relatable, mm-hmm. yet some way, somehow, over the history of country music, no one's ever said that. Mm-hmm. Do you think about me? No, no, no. Let's change it. Do you drink about me? Mm-hmm. So when you have this drink, do you think about all these great times that we had? So everybody's reminisced about that love that they lost or the best times of, of their life. 
and usually a cocktail's you know uh, involved. So I'm just really proud that I was able to tell that story and bring that song to the world and have it go number one. Yeah, you're probably right. And probably the relatability too of, oh yeah, you know, I've, you know, bringing that. I mean, I, I, I read a good quote somewhere that um, a, a song is not necessarily how the person who wrote it interprets it, but how the person who listens to it interprets it. And so it's, it's a song that everyone's that. got a relatability to. So, and yeah, I'll yeah. tell you, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but it's been on my 2019 playlist for, since it came out. So thank you. I yeah. really appreciate that. Um, the last time we met, you were in the middle of this like massive cross Canada hundred date tour. Yeah, where was it? Was it Mississauga? Or... It was in Mississauga. Good memory, yeah. man. Yeah, it was in Mississauga. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tell me now that that is over, what that experience was like. I'm sure by the end you were a little relieved. Um, no, as no, much no, fun as I'm sure you had. I'm sure you were a little. You're glad to be in your own bed for for a night or two. You know what? It, everybody, everybody thinks that my family thought that, like my extended family, who I pretty much didn't see for a year, and and a lot of people I've spoken to in media and and on interviews would say the exact same thing. But yeah. I, I got to be honest, it was the opposite. I was so sad when it was over. In fact, um, I like I will not use the word uh, depressed because that's a very very strong word. Um, mm-hmm. But I was so blue when when that tour was over because I'd lived. I'd done 116 shows, every province, every territory. I lived on the bus. My family was with me. I had this incredible community of about like 18, 19 uh, team members, a band and crew. And we just went on the ultimate cross Canada road trip. And then just like that, play the final show in my hometown on a Friday, Saturday, we party, Sunday, we pack up Monday. It's It's all over. So it's like going from a hundred to. It was a shock. It was, it was a real shock to the system. And it was something that I, I, I don't know how I could have prepared for it better, but um, I was so sad. I was really, really sad when it was over. I was sad not to get a chance to go out on stage. I was sad to be out of the routine. I was sad to not get a chance to perform. I was, I was sad that I couldn't do meet and greets anymore. Mm -hmm. I was sad that I, I, I honestly felt as though I didn't really have much of a purpose. Right. Um, oh, it was over. Yeah. Everybody else in tour life and every other musician I've spoken to is like, are you crazy? I couldn't wait to get home to my own bed and just turn off my phone and just to not have to deal with anything. And I'm like, everything that I dealt with was pure joy to me. I'm, I'm built for the road. I'm built for the stage. Yeah. And I knew that after doing that, I had to take most of 2019 off because I just played everywhere. Right. So I barely played any shows in 19. Um, and we're getting ready to go back on tour again in 2020 now <laughs> because of COVID-19. I feel like I've had two years off. Off, right. And I'm like, I am so itching to get out. It's crazy. I'm going to be shot out of a cannon yeah. and be like the Tasmanian devil just going, woo, 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 the minute I get a chance to hit the stage. So would you do something like that again, do you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah? If I could, I would. I would go and play every province, every territory. We're at a point now where we've definitely graduated to bigger venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, makes, it makes more sense for us financially and then also just logistically. Yeah. You know, to play a city like, um, like Toronto and then have everybody funnel in, have Barrie and Newmarket and Aurora and, right. and Oshawa and Hamilton and Mississauga come into Toronto. That's, mm-hmm. 
that's just the point that we're at right now. But I guarantee you, later on in my career, I will do another tour do like that and try to break my own uh, Canadian record, which I don't know if anybody's going to get a chance to beat 116 dates in every province and every territory in the same yeah. tour. But pretty good. that's a pretty good record to have. I think yeah. too, I think maybe, and it might, it could be tougher too, because I think having your family with you is a real anchor, I'm sure, yeah. for, for, for a tour like that. Oh, do we lose you, Brett? Uh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, I was just yeah. getting another call. Yeah, no worries. Um, so um, I imagine when your kids get a little bit older and they're in school, it might be a little bit tougher, but uh, I guess you don't have it, to cross that bridge till, till you get there. Yeah, correct. Our, our eldest, Mila, she's four years old now. And mm-hmm. so like, she has to go to school in September. Um, but obviously, with the way things are going right now and the way that the world is, we were thinking about homeschooling anyway, at least for right, yeah. during these prime career years for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we anticipate probably doing that uh, you know, moving forward anyway. Mm-hmm. How do you manage the day-to-day of managing family Brett with country star Brett? The best part about it is that it's the exact same guy. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I think that a lot of my heroes that I spoke to you know, I had given me a lot of great advice. And then uh, my wife, Cecilia, is such an incredible anchor where she has literally said, look, we need to make sure that we integrate um, music into, um, that we integrate music into our family life mm-hmm. and we integrate our family into your life of music. Yeah. And so we did that from minute one. So I'm very, very appreciative that she had that great foresight and we've been we've been doing that now for five years, and we don't anticipate stopping. Excellent, excellent. I was going to say too. I had, I had read came across briefly this on your Twitter as well that Brett Kissel was going to call all the home games of the Edmonton Oilers, and I was like, "How are you going to yeah. squeeze that in there?" And then I saw the post. Obviously, it was posted April first. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that, I that almost, great, I almost great. fell for it. I almost was going to ask, like, how did you get involved in it?" A lot of people were so like, some people were excited. Yeah. But most people are mad or like, stick to singing, shut up yeah. and sing. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's pretty funny. So how are you, how are you, I know you're a big, big hockey fan. So how are you dealing with, with no season right now? Uh, I'm, uh, how are you getting your hockey dose? I'm not. And that's, yeah. that's the craziest thing. And, and I, uh, I want to be very, very sensitive okay. to everybody that is, that is working, everybody's on the front lines, everybody who's in essential services and right. especially in healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. Like this actually turns out to be a very small problem to yeah. not have. Of course, care. of course. But now, so now that I, I, I've, I've said that cause that's what my heart really wants to say. The other half of my heart that is a diehard Oilers fan and mm-hmm. a diehard hockey fan, I am crushed. I am devastated that hockey isn't, isn't here like it was such a big mm-hmm. part of my life i'd watch hockey all the time i text all the guys after and like great game great fight oh man your hands are filthy like just back and forth like it's just a part of who i am and what i do yeah and i can't do that i got nothing to talk about i got nothing I to talk about with my friends like I know. how are you oh, i'm cooped up yeah me too all right well good chat Later. yeah <laughs> that's it i know and it's like at a time when you have the time to be watching hockey there is none or or any sport for that any sport of that matter yeah um, yeah well there was there was well, i don't care about any other sport i just yeah care about there hockey. was wrestlemania on the weekend and <laughs> so they oh, still that's finished. right i didn't uh 
I, I, I forgot about that. I, I saw a lot of people talking about it. Uh, did you watch it? I did. I did. Yeah. It was weird. So was it, because it was weird because it's in front of nobody. So it's like dead noise in the background. And you can also hear like every grunt and like heavy breath that the actual wrestlers are taking. So yeah, it was, it was odd. It was odd. It took a little while to get over that. Um, but you know what it was, you know, and it's going over well, they did the best of what they had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Um, one thing well, that I, I've, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I do want to check it out. I I've been a fan of wrestling for a long time, especially in the early days, like when I was 10 years old. Oh yeah. Like 1999, 2000 it's, wrestling yeah, was, was the best with best. The rock and triple H and yep. yeah. Yeah. Monday night it's, wars. And oh yeah. You should at the very least, you should check out what they did, uh, with the undertaker. So they, they did like a pre-roll, a pre-filmed segment with The Undertaker. So his match, instead of being live, was like, it was like a movie in a graveyard. Um, and it okay. kind of kept that illusion of his character without showing basically how old he was and how his inability now. So uh, it, was, it was cool. It was cool. And it's oh, that is really cool. cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, one, thing, one thing I've been dying to ask you for a while um, because when I was, uh, when I was in high school, I mean, I'm still, I still am a, a fan of heavy metal music, but in high school, I was like, it was metal or die pretty much. And okay. I, I, one of my favorite bands was Megadeth. And on several occasions I've seen at hockey games, Brett Kissel hanging out with Dave Mustaine. Yeah. How, how, how did you guys become buddies? Like, it just seems like such an odd pairing. Well, we, uh, we met through Jim Cressman, my agent, and Jim had done some Megadeth business uh, up in Canada. And, okay. And so when Jim was in Nashville, he went to dinner with uh, Dave and, and his wife, Pam. And uh, Jim just invited me. This is like probably five years ago. And uh, so we went out and we had a, a great dinner and just a great visit and conversation. And Dave is extremely smart. And Pam is extremely, extremely uh, kind, warm, and intelligent uh, as well. And so we just had some of the greatest political and philosophical and worldly conversations mm-hmm. that it's not that it caught me off guard because I don't judge anybody. If you've got long hair and you sing heavy metal or if you're a country bumpkin right. and you sing country music, I just didn't expect to ever meet them. And I didn't expect to have the conversation that we did because we talked zero music. We talked only about uh, politics and organic food and, um, I don't know, travel. And it was just really cool to connect. And then he said, uh, my daughter Electra is getting into country music and you guys should write together. Mm. I said, absolutely. So then my wife and I, um, were then invited. They, they booked the bowling alley, Pinewood social in Nashville. They booked it out. And had like a, just a little gathering of friends and family and invited, uh, they wanted to meet Cece. So we went out, we bowled with them. So we're bowling and having <laughs> a good time. And uh, his son, Justice, is there. And Justice was just kind of getting into management a little bit and was managing a couple up and coming heavy metal bands. And then um, like within a year, like he was working with Danny Nozell and co-managing Dolly Parton. And this is Justin, like a 22-year-old uh, great entrepreneur. And then the next time we hung out, we went to their house in Franklin. And we saw their horses. And of course, my wife had horses on her farm growing up. And you know, I was a cattle guy. So at least I know my way around livestock. And so we had a great visit. And then we ate and we drank. And 
And then Electra's like, um, yeah, so my dad's going to be on tour in the UK and he's going to be playing in Scotland. And I was thinking about doing a songwriting retreat in Scotland and just outside of Glasgow. Would you like to come in and, uh, and write at the writing camp? I said, yeah, absolutely. So like, yeah, we booked this like castle and we're going to be writing songs. And <laughs> Cecilia and I were pregnant at the time with Mila, our first. So, well, I mean, we don't know if we can really commit because Mila is, you know, you know, or our daughter will be, you know, probably four months old. And then they're like, uh, nope, not a problem. Uh, we'll, we'll just give you the guest house of the, like the guest house of the, of the castle, castle, <laughs> which was like a castle in its own. So we're like, okay, uh, let's do it. So I would write songs all day. And then every evening we just have a jam session of probably eight or nine other songwriters from around the world. And we just wrote songs basically together wow. and for Electra. And that's where, uh, I was the only one who had a vehicle. Um, okay. cause I had my family with me. Right. So I went and I picked up Dave from the airport and we just listened to country music and, and heavy metal. And he's like, so, uh, we've been friends for a while. He, this is how he brought it up. He says, when, when are you going to ask me to play on one of your records? And I'm like, do you do that? He's like, yeah. I said, uh, well, um, sure. I got this really badass track called damn. He's like, well, let me hear it. So I played it for him. He's like, yep, yeah, that's the one. So he did his part from somewhere in Asia when he was on tour and uh, sent it back to me and I put it on the record and we've been buddies ever since. Oh, wow. That is such a crazy story. You know, like uh, how two different worlds come together. That's very, very unbelievable. Much so. It and is it's, really cool. It's so interesting too. I didn't even know all of this, all of, you know, you, I'm hearing all that for the first time too. And it's so interesting to see, you know, and, and something I've learned from this podcast is when you pull that curtain and find out what, someone is really like you know there's i'm sure there's show dave and and uh and and real life dave um but it's so funny just to hear you know the, the guy that was kicked out of metallica <laughs> and and he's he's bowling, and then forms bowling uh, arguably and, and, the other greatest heavy metal band right. in the world of all and time man, that was it man it was i remember having those we used to have like hour-long debates at lunchtime on like the metallica versus megadeth uh debate and Holy Wars, his album Holy Wars was like, it was my do or die when I was 15. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he had so many great, great lyrics and was able to, in his own way, like, peace sells, but who's buying? Yeah. What a great that was what Literally, a great when you said lyric. that, that was like, the song a, that was in my head. Yeah. Like, yeah. who thinks about that? Like, that is, that is some deep John Prine, Jimmy Webb shit right Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's, Based on my, I grew up so country and, and I mean, if I would, you know, straight from country, I'd listen to CCR, the Eagles and still mm -hmm. kind of softer rock, you know? Um, but then getting into Dave Mustaine just as a human being and realizing that, I mean, and then he won a Grammy award, uh, what in 2016 for his new record. And like the, the guys, the guys, an extraordinary entertainer, but an even better human being. Yeah, that's that's cool to hear. Very cool to hear. Um, actually, on similar, the, one of the very first interviews I ever ever did, it was for uh, I was writing for a magazine at the time. It was a number of years ago, and it was like the second interview I ever did. They put me in a room with um, the lead singer from Disturbed, who, oh, yeah. who is like this like super jacked bald guy with like a chin ring that comes. And I was, I was like super, I was like 22 at the time or something. And I was like, I was really nervous going. Cause I was like, what if this guy doesn't want to be there? You know, what if I ask him the wrong thing? Is he going to be really aggressive? And just yeah. like 
still to this date, one of the nicest people that well, I've ever done an interview with. And most people I've ever met in heavy metal or some of the more aggressive genres mm-hmm. are the biggest teddy bears. It's true. Yeah. Eat vegan, uh, or live an organic life, grow a garden, raise their kids, homeschool, and just like live this almost fairy tale life in the country with a white picket fence and then go on stage and just rock the house it's a very interesting double life opposite of brett kissel because you said your music's one and the same with with you know cowboy brett kissel and and family brett kissel's the same whereas these guys it's almost the opposite you know yeah i'm just a whiskey drinking goofball who loves to yeah write songs and (laughs) and and watch disney movies with my kids and cheer on the oilers it's pretty simple life i live yeah, that's you know, sounds like a good life to me too, though. It is. Um, tell me a little about you guys. You and uh, Cece started uh, your own podcast as well. Yeah, the Keeping a Kissel podcast is something that we're really proud of. Every Wednesday, we release an episode, and we decided that we would create this lifestyle brand, you know, to celebrate unity and um, you know equality, and just give an opportunity to stand on a bit of a soapbox that we've been blessed to give as you know me as a, as a country singer and her as one of the best moms in the world and just get an opportunity to you know share some joy so we've done that with our website we've done that with our clothing line called be kind um and the kissel collection we've partnered with a lot of great companies across canada that we're very very proud of um that make really great products and so it's just an opportunity for us to uh, do something together in business, and then the podcast stemmed from that, where we talk about really unique topics, whether it's you know from my record to I don't know breastfeeding, raising children, uh, Christmas traditions, fun stuff, yeah. intense stuff. And if I was ever going to be very vulnerable, I'd rather do it sitting side by side with my wife Cecilia mm. and on a platform that we control. And it gives you a nice opportunity to talk about those other things in your life that you're very important to you too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of just, uh, to move the, the last time we spoke to, you gave me kind of your, uh, country music must have, um, because I was still a little bit new to, to country music myself. Yes. So moving on, on, on the same lines, but moving on aside from now or now or never, of course, what should ever be on everyone's playlist at the moment? Uh, aside from now or never. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a given. So aside from that, what else should we be listening to right now? Well, here's the thing. In any I genre. If you're if you're going to dive into country music, you need to know where we've been in mm-hmm. order to know where we're going. So I think it's important to find some great hits from guys like Kenny Rogers, who's passed away, mm-hmm. uh, a guy, uh, the king of country music, George Strait. And um, if you can, it's only available on Amazon Music, but Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. I think that that's very, very important to find that, excuse me, find that stuff. There's some incredible female artists out there. Casey Musgraves, her her album. Uh, that won like 100 Grammys. Um, that's that's an extraordinary record. She's an outstanding artist, great vocalist. So Casey Musgraves is something you need. You need a little bit of Dolly Parton on uh, on that playlist because she's kind of the OG um, and the best that there's ever been as far as a female entertainer is concerned. And then as far as new stuff, Luke Combs has a very, very interesting perspective um, mm-hmm. to offer. He is the epitome of a down-home country boy a guy who writes great lyrics, very simple lyrics. He does not overwrite things. He just says it like it is. Um, and he's like the new Merle Haggard. And what I mean by that is he is like the poet of the common man. 
Mm-hmm. And Luke Holmes is an extraordinary guy. Uh, as a human being, I've only met him once, but a beauty. And I, I think his records are outstanding. I've heard I've heard a number of his songs lately. I can't I, I don't remember the one like the titles by names, but I've heard a number of his songs in the last few months actually myself yeah I've... well you think about it he's got this song called long neck ice cold beer never broke my heart yeah well yeah you're absolutely right never has never will yeah you know what my football team loses and sometimes my girlfriend she can maybe turn down a proposal and that'll break my heart and whatever but uh you know sorry i was uh, just getting another call but 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 long neck ice cold beer never broke my heart what a great freaking song title that is yeah and this guy just says it like it is and i adore him as an entertainer that's awesome that's awesome the one that i can't remember who it's by you'll probably be able to tell me the one that has been in my head um over the last month or so is that slow dancing in the parking lot oh yeah 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 that's jordan davis yeah yeah that one and uh the other one is the i hope is it called i hope um female artist i don't know it's like i hope uh, you know, I hope he changes your life or whatever. And then I hope she cheats or something like that. Have you heard that one? Oh, no. Like you did on me. It's really catchy, really catchy. Okay. Yeah. That's, I probably, you'll probably hear and be like, oh yeah, of course this song. And I, yeah. <laughs> I just butchered the description. No, 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 no. I, I think that's a very, it's a, it's, it's unique uh, twist to the song. It but is. I have to it be honest, as catchy. far as current country music is concerned, I, Although I love it because I do have a lot of friends in the business, for me, the most important thing for me is that if I do get an opportunity to just sit, chill, listen, and enjoy, mm-hmm. I'm going to put on, I'll, I'll show you my, my vinyl collection mm-hmm. here. And I've got, uh, oh, I've got to have at least a thousand records. Yeah. And they're all kind of... Oh, yeah. And, and I've got solid. more just all over. And each, each of these are full of about at least 50 records. And so I've got... Um, yeah, so all I do is is I like to listen to some old school vinyl and George Strait, Kenny Rogers, and stuff like that. Nothing that beats it. So where do you where do you get your records? Do you have a spot, uh, or kind of just on your travels? Uh, on my travels, and then you know what? I've been very blessed. There have been a couple of um, uh, family members that have reached out to me on Facebook, and because it's kind of known now that I I love vinyl, um, randomly a guy in his sixties will uh, send me a message and be like, "Hey, um, my mom." Anne or my dad Harvey mm-hmm. um, are big fans of yours. Know that you love records, and um, they left their record collection to you in their estate or in their oh, will. Wow. So we want to know your address. So we're going to ship you some records, and so sometimes it's two, three records, but it's like some really great exclusive records. And sometimes, like I got some guy named Igor dropped this off at a show. And it's an autographed Ray Price record. Now, Ray Price uh-huh. is an old school um, uh, country singer and has passed away for about 10 years now, but an extraordinary singer. And so, you know, just comes to the show, knows I love records and gives me an autographed record. So pretty lucky. Wow. Amazing. Good for you, man. If you have one more minute, Brett. Yes, uh, I do. We, we do. Uh, I started doing something this season. It's, I'm sure you've done it many times in interviews before. We do like a hot, a hot seat round. Well, good so, oh yeah this shit's my favorite I yeah love it's I, I me too me too so i've got 12 questions that you got to try and answer in a minute okay so 60 seconds starting now ready Beatles or rolling stones eagles uh favorite current hockey player Connor mcdavid last thing you watched on netflix uh strange things favorite snack 
Twitch Taco Bar. Uh, favorite Avenger? Iron Man. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Uh, uh, Harry Potter. Lion King or Tiger King? Tiger King. <laughs> favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Uh, anything by the Looney Tunes. Uh, beach or mountains? Uh, beach. Keith Urban or Tim McGraw? Uh, Tide. Favorite venue? Uh, one I haven't played yet. Maybe Carnegie Hall in New York. And last question. If you could jam with anyone past or present, who would it be? Man in Black, Johnny Cash. Amazing. You did it with 10 seconds to spare, too. That might be, I think that might be a record. Record uh, speed. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. Yeah, me too. We just started doing it this year, and I was like, it's a little bit of fun, you know, after, you know, a heart-to-heart conversation, so... Anyways. Yeah, well, and, and I, I I missed actually the first question. You said I. Now that I, I think about it, you said yeah. Beatles or Rolling Stones. Yeah, you said, said Eagles. Eagles, and I was like, I, I was like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, so, of I mean, we only have a minute, so I'm well, for the record. I'm Beatles are not wrong. If it was between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, I'd still choose the Eagles. The Eagles. There you go. The Eagles. Well, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. The Eagles are actually one of the best concerts I've ever seen, too. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, and I it was one of those times I got someone gave me a free pair of tickets. Someone gave my dad tickets, and my dad took me. Um, and it was like a oh, three hour wow. show, and it was how like special. It was how special. Long ago? It was, uh, I was in high school, so, oh, okay. so, so with Glenn Fry, like it, wasn't it was like, everybody, disgusting. everybody. Yes, oh, Glenn cool. Fry was still alive, and I knew you know, I knew the greatest hits or whatever, but man, yeah, it was a three hour show, unbelievable. It was like before, I, you know, now I've been to. Uh, countless amounts of concerts but uh, you know at the time i was still it was like my first i'd say within my first 20 concerts and uh it was an incredible experience um and uh, and a great memory to have you know uh to go with with my dad too so oh wow that that is really cool i i love the eagles so much and next time we have a a conversation ever ask me i've got a couple of really uh fun eagle stories Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to mark that down. So next time, once this has uh, cleared up and uh, we have some normalcy back in your life, when you're, when you're back in uh, Toronto, we'll do it then. We'll talk to Eagles. Yeah, I'd love that. Absolutely, Brett. Man, thank you so much again for... No problem, dude. For taking some time. I really appreciate it. Uh, pleasure's all mine. All right, we'll talk to you later, okay? All the best. All the best. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.